Okay, everybody, today on the show, I have Hidden Shah. Hidden has never worked at any other company except for his in his life. So, hi, Hidden. Thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's really awesome to talk, talk to you today, and I think this episode will help a lot of people. And that's it. So, before we start, I want to give one question out. Um, a lot of people were wondering about how I got you on the show. So, do you want to do you want to tell people uh, how I got you on the show? Yeah, um, you DM'd me, and just like <laughs> just like a lot of people who happen to have a bunch of followers, um, I get DM'd a lot, and I get a lot of DM spam as well because Twitter doesn't really do a good job of managing that for any of us. Um, I hope the product people at Twitter are listening to me right now, and and I just sift through it like once or twice a day, uh, sometimes more often if I know I'm like engaged in conversations in there, and you know to be quite frank, you're 13. My son is 11, and I, I I can only hope that by the time he's 13, if not earlier, that he has the um, ability comfort. to get out of his comfort comfort zone, like mm-hmm. you like you are doing today, and you know that I have seen you do like on Twitter and 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 all that. So how how could I not say yes? Honestly, that, it was really awesome because a lot of people asked that question, and I I I, I just literally DM'd you. People think that I went through a whole process of, and honestly, thank you for being on the show. It's really awesome to chat with you. And um, I guess we start right away. So I want to know more about what you've built and what you built from from the start to now. I've probably built fifty different things <laughs> since I started building on the internet in two thousand three. I wasn't so, even born. Yet. I wasn't yeah, even close to being born yet. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was born in 1981. I'm going to be 40 this year. So, you know, I'm going to go back to the question that you asked earlier, too, of why am I doing this? If I can influence more people who are younger to think differently earlier in their lives, I'm excited about that. And Mm -hmm. that matters a lot to me. And I see you thinking differently using the different channels that you have available to you, being able to reach out to people like me. and When I started my companies or my products or started building, I didn't have what all of you have today. And Uh so I always just love when someone utilizes what they have in front of them, right? Like I was doing the same back then. I was was using Skype. I was hitting people up. I mean, you know, one of my businesses, uh, one of my first earliest businesses uh, on the internet was uh, Crazy Egg. And that was, we started building it in 2005 launched it in 2006 publicly and i uh, this was when ruby on rails was like point 0.1 version point 0.1 we had a problem with the product we were built on rails and the original engineering team was unable to um do a few things and that product it's called crazy egg and it, it helps you basically see what people are doing on your website by and our goal was to show every click on a web page very accurately. So like, it's like Hotjar is doing now. In, in, yeah, in so, so Hotjar came after us, and we still exist, um, <laughs> but they, they do a lot more. They came in as an all-in-one tool. Um, we were the first to popularize heat maps, and uh, we were very focused and still are on that sort of utility of seeing where people click on a web page. And <laughs> when we were building that out, we couldn't basically do certain things that if I Googled, 
like our engineers couldn't do it. But if I Googled around, I could see, oh, there were some ways to do this. And so then I went on the Ruby on Rails website, found the list of contributors that were contributing to Ruby on Rails, and I contacted every single one to see if they would talk to me and help me figure out the problem that we were having. And so I, I used what was in front of me, right? I used everything I could to go solve the problems that I had. And I think like, if this is all about indie hackers and like people starting out on their own, again, I'm impressed by you because I see you utilizing every possible thing that you have available to you. And that kind of like just drive attitude, like mental model is what's required to make any endeavor that's starting from scratch successful. I think it's like really interesting because you mentioned that that when you started, I, I, I agree now that now there's so many resources right, right away. Like when you started, half the resources that let people build now didn't exist. The no-code team wasn't that there. There wasn't that many resources like Notion to help you. There wasn't that many products out there that could help you build. And you see now, it really helped me. So it's really interesting that you started from there. And it gets a question that, honestly, if you just have the idea to build something, it doesn't matter. It's given you build these 50 different things since you started. It doesn't only really matter how you start. It just matters that you you have that I passion and that idea to build it, and eventually you'll figure out something about it. Yeah, I mean, the way I would reframe what you're saying is something that is really easy to forget because you, you folks have all these tools and all these things um, that can make you feel like you're making progress just because you're building things. So, so if I were to step back and say, I would reframe what you're saying just for the value of everybody out there that yes, you can launch something and release it and you can keep building. But if you're not paying attention to your customers and talking to them constantly, whoever they may be, then you're actually not going to be able to get to something successful. And that, that's really the difference between people who are able to build, whether it's a small thing or a big thing, it doesn't matter. The success comes from the fact that people who are who you are serving, your customers, your users, whatever, they're happy and they're satisfied and they want to continue using your product, buying from you, et cetera. And I think that that part is like underscores everything when it comes to business because your customers matter more than anybody else. Exactly. You know, if you don't have the customers, then your pitch is not going to go anywhere. We see that a lot that people, if you, if you just build and you, and you feel like, oh, I'm going to wait and eventually someone will go to me, that won't work. It might work in the start, but you, you can't just forget your customers. You need to find what people are building, what people love. And I, I read this in Arvid's, um, Arvid Cal's new, the onboarding yeah. story that you, if you want to build something, you have to find what your audience really want. If, if you don't have your audience, then or your customers, you can see it in, in other stories and other, other people who made. If you don't have your customers, then you're going to lose what you're going to want and what people want. Because how will you know what people really want if you, if you don't talk to customers? You, you can just keep on building what you think people would want. Though, what if they don't want that? What if you're just taking your time and building what people don't really need? But what, what would you do then? Uh, I mean, if if you're building something and nobody cares about it, you need to figure out what you can build that they care about. So what you what you would do is what I learned to do a long time ago, and then it got formalized, and it's called customer development. And a gentleman gentleman named Steve Blank, who's a Stanford professor, kind of came up with a sort of framework um, after he uh, basically uh, 
had this learning himself when he was trying to build things and realize that you have to do this thing, which is talk to customers, get what he calls get out of the building. Right. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of companies are very um, grew up sort of with that framework in mind uh, since he popularized it. And then that actually framework and his thinking led to the lean startup by Eric Reese, because Eric was uh, basically a student of Steve Blank. Uh, I, I say that in quotes uh, because he took his class and kind of they sort of got along and came up with uh, kind of, uh, you know, Eric came up with this evolution that we now call lean startup or has been around a while. And I, I had the sort of, um, uh, ability back then when these things were starting out to learn from these people and really understand and codify things that I already understood and was doing, but didn't have quite a framework and a structure of doing it. And fast forward to even a few months ago, I was on a webinar and the CEO of Okta was uh, speaking and he, he was saying that basically, and I'll paraphrase, but this is the message I got from him, uh, which is basically, we would not exist without customer development. <laughs> we were doing customer development super early in order to discover what was right. And I think he, he was basically saying that they were wrong in the beginning with what they were thinking. And then as they started doing customer development and putting those formal sort of structures in place to understand what customers needed and, and like derive those insights, they were able to create kind of what we now know as Okta, right? And, and and kind of the original premise of the business. I mean, I agree. I agree with that because if you don't really know what to build, I it, it's not going to work, right? That's I right. think that if you, if if you just keep on building on your idea and you think that you know I, I'm going to build this and eventually people are going to love it. Well, sure, that might work, and I've done that, so I'm not I'm not I'm not going to say that's not that's not a nice thing because every, everyone does that when they start when they start learning. So you 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 should learn about it. But if you keep just thinking about that, if I make this, and eventually someone will say, "I love this." Well, 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 think about it. How will that work? How will you actually talk to people and actually get this product out there? If you just if you just keep on thinking about, I'm going to build this. Oh, I can add this. Oh, I, I can. Or this. what if I add this? What if I post this? Well, that could work. And I've done. I'm 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 not I'm not making fun of you for doing it because I've done it. I'm probably sort of hidden and done it once in his life. Life. So you need to figure out that you need to talk to people and figure out how to build it before you build everything on it. Yeah, and, and the, the how to build it and what to build comes from customer problems and not your own problems. So a, a thing that indie hackers tend to sort of make a mistake of is they build something that they want, which is honestly a great way to start if you really, really feel like you know, that's the easiest way for you to build something because you have that passion for some problem or some idea. But really quickly, you have to realize that if only you want it and nobody else wants it, it does not matter. Yeah. And so exactly. it's really about assessing that need that other people have, not the need that you have. And so again, I'm not opposed to build something that you want to see exist in the world because you see the problem and you feel the problem. What I'm opposed to and what I would suggest companies and or people don't do, especially indie folks, is just continue building just because they want it without actually letting anybody else use it or talking to people about the problems they have related to it to make sure that you're right. Um, because the worst thing you can do is build something that nobody wants. I mean, I think a lot of people just build their problems and that's fine because if you have, and let's say you, you want to use a way to 
uh, trying to think of a nice idea here. Find a way to find people to talk to, like like this right now. We find people to chat with to have feedback on your idea, and that might be a problem you need, and you can build it. That's totally fine. Now that could help you. So if, if you really think about it, if you ask your people, if you tell people, sorry for that, trying to fix my volume here. Sorry. Um, if you ask, if you tell people what you're building, then they're probably and they might like it. You can get feedback on it. Because the one thing that somebody told me that I, that I really see, I don't know, I don't know if you'll hear this or not. His name is Sergey Murtai. He built a company called MakerLog. It's a way, to, it's a community and a way for make, makers to sow what they're building. I'll, I'll give, I'll give you the website if you want to check it out. It's getmakerlog.com. And basically, what he does, he, he, what he told me when I talked chat in an interview or a meeting or a call was that if you don't know how to build an idea, you still build an idea because. From that, and, and I'm going to take it on my own way, and that is that if you don't know how to build something, build something, you should still build it because you'll get that knowledge and that experience building it, and you wouldn't have guard if you let, you'll leave it. Yeah, um, I you know I don't know the context that he was telling you that in. I think I think my take is that it's really about customer problems and and the pain that they have around the situation, uh, and not really about building anything. So I, I actually, when we do our work at my companies around discovering problems that customers have or that people have in, in just, just in the world, we actually just focus on the problem. We don't even think about how we're going to solve it. We want to make sure that we have the most painful problems in mind that customers have or that our potential customers have and that we're able to go sort of narrow in on the ones that are right to solve, regardless of whether we can solve them or not. And I know that might sound funny, but the thing is, if you focus too much on the solution too early, you tend to basically build the wrong thing anyway, because you get really hung up on how you want to solve the problem, what technology you want to use, what features you want to add. But if you really focus on nailing the customer problem statement and making sure you have evidence from of it, whether it's like interviews you've done with them, reviews you've looked at of competing products and the problems people describe about them, or going into forums and like hunting down complaints people have about things they're trying to accomplish. That kind of evidence is what should drive the solution, not just some random idea in your head. Even if you think it's a good idea, even if other people think it's a good idea, it's not about the idea. Yeah, it's about exactly. the problems the idea solves. It's not about the idea. I can agree with that because uh, I'm going to go back to uh, this, this, this isn't a product I built, but I on the idea that we're talking about. To the word planning. So this, I, I had this idea of, uh, last year, and the idea was to build this project that allowed you to read news, a simplified news. And I spent a lot, this, this is when I first starting out learning about how to build businesses, how to create content. And this is before I learned lots and learned. I spent a lot of time thinking about what the idea would be before I even building it. And I, I even got feedback on it, like what people think. And, and people say, no, this idea is bad. So for some reason, I was so confident that this idea is going to work that I kept on planning it. And I've never really built it properly. And that doesn't mention. It doesn't matter that if you plan the idea, other, other people like the idea, or other people don't like the idea. Sometimes what we get, we get really confident about our idea. Because we think that we have we have this new idea that, that, that might help me. Though in reality, even if we, that it might not be. And we get so confident on the fact that the idea is perfect. Like we don't listen to anybody else, and we just keep on building, and that that won't work. That's a mistake. Yeah, that's basically the downfall of a lot of different indie folks trying to build things: is that they build what they want, 
and don't actually build like what people need. That's exactly the problem. People just build what they want first. And then we get so confident, especially in the indie hackers, they get so confident and say, yeah, my work, that we build a landing page or buy a domain right away. And that's fine. I do that myself so I'm, sometimes. So I'm not going to attack. I'm not going to make fun of you for that. Okay, that's fine. It's okay. So we get so confident that we can build this, that we actually build it. And then we find out later that, you know what? This idea was not my idea. I and and when you and then you find out later, and at that time you already spent money or time or like working on it, and then now you just have to leave the project because there's literally nobody wants it. So that's why the the idea is that you need to talk to people, get customer, get actual feedback. I read this some feedback. If someone said they like the idea, well, do they really do they, do they really like the idea, or they just saying that saying that to you? You don't have to figure out. And, and even even if ha- even if one person says it's a nice idea. And so one person says no, maybe listen to the person who said no, because they might actually know, and the people that say yes might not really know what you're building. We don't talk to people about our ideas when we're trying to find their pro- their problems. We just focus much more on what challenges they have. Um, actually, the way I would recommend people to talk to people early on is um, focus on getting stories out of them. So tell me, so for example, let's say we were, building a, we built one, but let's say we were building a, a tool to help you find documents. What we would, what we would ask people would be, uh, well, it was, it was FYI um, that we originally Same. built and then we pivoted into Nira. Um, so basically let's say we were trying to figure out what problems people have. What we would ask them is things like, tell me about the last time you were trying to find a document. Mm-hmm. What did you do? And once we found like 20, 30 people, and stories from those people about the last time they were trying to find a document, we learned some really valuable insights. The number one most valuable insight that we learned, and the number one thing we learned is that when people are trying to find documents, more than half the time, they go ask somebody else. Mm -hmm. So we built a tool that made it so that you didn't have to ask somebody else. You could go click on them in our interface and go see what documents you had shared with them and which ones they've created that you have access to. And we had not seen, and we still don't see today, another product that has that same experience. And we got that, we got to that experience because of us actually listening to people about how they were trying to do what we wanted to do for them better before we existed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And so you want to get stories out of people about these problems that you're pursuing versus just showing them ideas or thinking about, you know, telling them, Hey, this is my, I want to build a tool that helps you search and find documents across different services. They're like, yeah, that's a great idea. I have that problem. Everyone has that problem. Right. But that's not that useful to us. What's useful to us is when we start asking them, how are you doing it today? What was the last time that you did this? What happened? Tell us the story. It's the exact story. Yeah, exactly. So I agree with that. If you ask somebody what their what their problem is, and this is back on the idea section, they so they can tell you the idea nice or not. So really, it's about it's about giving the asking the right person, because the, the right person can give you the feedback. Let's, let's say you're building a website, let's let like B two B customers write invoices, for example, and let's say you ask your friend who's work who work building an indie product, and they're not really that big of a business. They they, they can say in their own opinion that the idea is nice. Though, how do you how do you actually know that the idea is nice? They're not they're not a target. The person that the, the, the person who's building who's actually building a B two B 
website that actually needs invoices, they they're the one who can give you a feedback. And then you need to find a story to wonder when what what do you currently have for invoices? How do they work? What are the problems with it? What would you like? How how if you could change one thing, what could it be? That's what you ask. You don't go to some yeah, random a, 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 a lot of people a lot of people are very um either naive or lazy, whatever way you want to kind of put it. And they don't do the upfront work to understand who is the right person is that, might use, that, might, mm-hmm. that might be able to not just use, but that might be able to give me feedback about how they do things today uh, and tell me how they do things today. Uh, and so you want to do that work upfront so that you can identify who actually is the most likely people that you'll get the best uh, pro- sort of problems, problems from. Hmm. That, that, that is exactly it. You, you need to find the right person to talk about your customer and build your idea. And that's, that's all about. So I have a few questions now exactly related to Crazy Egg. Um, I, I, I think this, the, the part about ideas is really interesting. Um, on, on that after what we just said, I want to know more about exactly really before you created Crazy Egg, what was the market for it? And so we're going to talk about what we just talked about, ideas. How did you get feedback feedback on the initial idea for Crazy Egg? So as I was saying, we didn't really get feedback on the idea. We don't get feedback on ideas early on. So we don't do that. We don't like doing that. We don't suggest people get feedback on ideas. So what we what we did is we, we, we were using Google Analytics for a long time. We noticed a problem because we had a consulting company before we built Crazy Egg. And in that mm-hmm. consulting company, we were helping people with marketing. So we were setting up Google Analytics, helping them understand the data in there in order to help them with various types of different marketing campaigns. And one thing we realized is that there's this problem. You know that people come to your website, but you don't really know what they do after they come to the website. You might know how many pages they visit and things like that, but you don't have a really clear idea of what they actually do. What are they clicking on? Um, How are they moving through the website? And more importantly, all the tools out there with analytics were very focused on showing you percentages and numbers and human beings don't always on average have a great time understanding numbers, right? Not that you're not, not that we're all dumb or anything. It's just that a a visual representation of where people are clicking is a lot more intuitive than looking and trying to analyze a whole bunch of numbers that you're staring at. And so we basically had that, intuition that like, hey, there has to be a better way that we can show people the kind of information they need that they can spread across their companies um, and spread to other people and people will instantly understand it. So what we did is we started building um, around that idea because we knew that there was a sort of basic level of technology we needed to build to track every click on a page because that was the idea. We wanted to track every click on the page. That part of it, we were very convinced of and knew was a base level of this idea. This was before we invented the heat map. So we started building that and it showed every click on a page. And while we were building that at the same time, because we knew this is the market we wanted to be in, we knew the foundation technology. So we started building it and, but we didn't know the exact direction we were going to go in after that. So we started talking to designers and marketers and started understanding what problems they had when it came to trying to share analytics data and information that they understood with other people, with stakeholders, with their team. And we consistently got back that like it's really hard for them to understand why we want changes made on the website and how to justify those changes. So as we got into that, we started 
we built something that looked like it could show you every click on the page and it, you could click on any element on the page and see like how many people clicked on it. Um, but it wasn't daunting and it, it, it kind of had color coded circles from red uh, all the way to blue for cold. So red for hot, lots of clicks, uh, blue for cold and kind of the whole spectrum there. And we basically started with that when we were in you know early access, which is what we call beta. Um, and then we started hearing, oh, this is great, but this doesn't fully solve our problem because we don't have a quick way to represent these clicks. And so then we, we really brainstormed internally. And then that's when we came up with the heat map and said, oh, you know, those like night vision scopes, you know, and <laughs> even those like heat, heat, like, you know, some of them are for heat and they show you where the hot and cold spots are like, or where like a human being is walking inside a house, right? Like the heat seeking uh, things. And I'm like, oh, that exists. Why don't we build that for a web page? So you can see the hot and cold spots because everyone understands hot and cold, right? It's pretty binary. So that's actually how the heat map was created for the first time in our product. And now, I mean, obviously lots of tools have it, Hotjar and many others have the feature. And here's the funny thing, just to kind of uh, tell you how powerful that kind of insight is. We understood how important it was to accurately track every click on a page. And so our team, even from the early days, if someone if someone emailed in and said, hey, this element's not tracking, what's going on? We would as fast as possible figure out and de debug it and say, oh, we need to figure that out. So now even when you look at a crazy egg heat map, and a hot jar heat map. Our heat map's better because our heat map's more accurate. Our heat map's accurate. Think about it. If you're trying to sh share with people where people are clicking on a page and it doesn't have a comprehensive, like every click on the page, you're essentially going to make the wrong decisions. So every heat map out there is not heat map technology that's like now 16 wow. years old, right? It's because from those early days, we understood what was important. And not you found like it, you found what people wanted. So instead of getting yeah. feedback, like, yeah, exactly. You you built something from a problem you had, and you kept getting feedback on it after you built it, and then you and then you made changes to every feedback the person gave. But but in our case, we knew we wanted to build an analytics tool, and we knew we wanted to, it to be visual. So that part wasn't going to change. What we didn't know is what the exact implementation was going to be in the future. So that that's where we actually started getting feedback from people on top of what we built and understood what problems they continued to have with it. Exactly. And, and, and that's a really interesting way. So basically, what I found from that is that in, in getting a feedback from your idea that initially thought you had, you had a problem that you, that you had, and you built something on that problem, and you, sorry. Yeah, no you, problem. Sorry, you can, you can continue now. Yeah, uh, I was just saying that like, one thing that I want you to shift for yourself mm -hmm. is you keep mm -hmm. using the word idea. Ideas don't matter. It, ideas are just problems it. to solutions, right? And, and, and I'll even say, just, just to give you some coaching while we're on this, you're answering the question too. You don't need to answer the question so much and go so deep into it, right? Because your audience is here for you to ask questions, add some context, and get my answer, right? And then go deeper into the questions, but you keep trying to answer my questions or like review them. You don't need to do that because your audience probably wants to hear from my questions in your context, right? So just just keep going. It's okay. You don't need to. You don't need to keep 
reiterating it and trying to understand it on your end. Cause I think like your understanding is definitely going to be different than mine. And I just I keep wanting to correct you. Right. Because I'm not focused on the idea. And I think this is a nuance that a lot of indie people don't understand because you usually start a business with an idea. And what people forget is that it's not the idea. It's actually the problem. The and and, and, and the so for us at, at crazy mm -hmm. egg, we had a consulting company where we had so many customers. So we understood the problem really well because we had customers and we were trying to help them with these problems. And then we discovered a really core problem, which is, you know, related to analytics and analytics data. And then we realized we needed to track everything on a page to solve that problem. So it wasn't even the idea yet. It was just like, oh, we need this technology no matter what. And then we were able to figure out, okay, what is the right way to deploy this technology towards the problems that people actually have? Hmm. So it's an interesting. I'm, I'm just trying to and it reiterate because I, I was trying to figure out how to phrase it for the next question. Uh, so sure. that's a really interesting answer because I really love that way because it makes exactly what he said. I want to know more about really, you talk, you talk about, I, sorry, you talk about this a lot. It's about pivoting businesses. What exactly is pivoting businesses? Pivoting businesses. Yeah, um, you basically pivot a business around some core learning that you have from customers. And that's what people get wrong. So if you ask someone or if someone says, hey, I'm pivoting, what you want to ask them is, well, what's the core learning or set of learnings that caused you to pivot or that is causing you to think about this pivot? If they say they don't know or you can't, they can't give that evidence, it's a hop. It's not a pivot. And a hop means I'm just going to change what I'm doing. Changing what you're doing without it being rooted in learnings is not a pivot. And it's totally fine if you want to do that, but please don't call it a pivot because a pivot is something very different. A pivot is a change in direction based on key learnings that you get from customers, right? And this goes back to the whole theme of like today's call, which is like, hey, you have to focus on customer problems, right? So in our case, like in our businesses, we pivot when the customer problem that we should be solving or that we want to solve is is different than the current one because we had a set of learnings right and that that's really the key and if you have a product one of the things that i found repeatedly useful is observing people use the product and really looking for the ways people use it that you didn't expect because those are the places where oftentimes pivots are born out of but those are also the places where you can figure out ways to improve your product so even if you don't find a pivot in there, you'll likely find a way to improve your product or change your product because of the way people might be using it in, in some different uh, ways than what you were sort of uh, intention, what, what your original intention was. So what, what are what are the different type of pivots? Are there, there's the customer pivoting, where, where, where else pivots are there? Honestly, there, there's a lot of different types of pivots. I think there's like three, three or three, three different ones that like I really, I really tend to like um, enjoy highlighting, for lack of a better word. Uh, and, and the reason I enjoy highlighting these three is because people definitely want to like have answers, right? And they want to know what the commonalities are, right? So <laughs> the three types that I usually focus on are like a number one's like a product pivot. So you basically learn that one part of your product is like more useful stickier or whatever than the rest and your customers care about it more so that's a product pivot because you would basically tune the whole product towards that feature and it might that might become the whole product uh, then there's a customer pivot where you learn that there's a type of customer maybe a new type of customer or a minority of your customer base 
that are willing to pay a lot more for your product or willing to use your product a lot more. So that would be more like a customer pivot. You change the customer. Um, and then a problem pivot would be like, as you're talking to customers, you discover that there's a way bigger problem or more important problem than the one you're solving today that you really should be solving. But the key pattern there is like, you're actually making a critical change to your business rooted in those learnings from customers. And this is where like it gets somewhat robust and complicated because there is a lot of intuition gut are oriented around it, but all you're trying to do is inform yourself. So I'm going to go into like another concept that I think people get wrong, which is they think they need to be data driven and take this data and do what the data says. They're actually completely incorrect about that. It's not about being data driven. It's actually about being data informed because what you're trying to do is inform your decision making based on the data, but don't let the data itself drive the decision because there might be lots of different data points that you have, but then you as, as indie hackers, founders, individuals that are creating things have to make a decision about what you're going to do. That data doesn't tell you what to do. The data informs the decisions you decide to make. Exactly. I agree with that. I feel like really interesting because I would really, I, I want more about that. So the pivots are an interesting way. I feel like a lot of people in, in the actors have, like me, is that we tend to build our products. And on that product, we, we, switch, we, we switch pivots a lot. So let's say we have a new customer. So we'll change, we'll change our idea. We have a new problem. We'll change the problem. And that's going to be really confusing because that won't always work for work. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like a hot. Yeah. I got lost for words for a second there, so I was trying to figure out how to phrase that. What yeah, I meant okay. to say was that after doing that, building, building it all, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to do a different section now, because I think we should move sure. pivot, pivot, say, pivot, yeah, pivot on that good. area. So I want to know more about audience building. So let's say you have a product, and you do, you, you've done everything, everything so far. You found, you found a problem. You got the idea, you built the product, and you created a whole business for it. How do you actually get people to, to pay for it or like market it? There's a lot in your question. So um, we should start with the basics, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go, ahead, go ahead, I'll let you start. Yeah, go ahead. So, so let's just start with actually, now that you've built your product, how do you get people to know about it? Let's start with that. I think that's simple. Yeah. Um, don't build a product before you know how you're going to get the audience, which is, which is, which is, which is kind of the right answer. Because the thing is, if you've actually spent time talking to people before you build the product, you've already figured out how to get to at least some of them. So the real key is to, even if you have built a product, you're essentially starting from scratch anyway to go find the customer. So, so this is why, like, I think, building in public is a really valuable tactic for indie folks because you can basically set your intention on Twitter and say, Hey, I'm going to build this thing or I'm trying to solve problems in this space. Right. I'd love to start talking to people about it or, and then you just start kind of sharing more about the space and the problems you're discovering and like share all of those things. Just like, you know, we shared our pivot. Well, we're, sh we're not sharing our pivot for our own like sake. We're sh we shared our pivot and the details of it so that people get value from us about pivots, right? And can understand kind of 
how to do it for themselves by us setting an example of how we did it and showing how we did it. So in the same way, any indie person can start building that audience super early, even if it's just Twitter, because everybody's literally on Twitter. Like, 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 <laughs> you know, like, like, like here, you're a 13 year old that DM me. I'm a 40 year old doing whatever I'm doing. And we're here. Right. And it's like, everybody's yeah. on Twitter. Right. So like, I think that exactly. like, I would study building in public and I would think about that to build an audience as a number one tactic, especially if I was doing something on my own or with a very few people with aspirations of just building things and making some money. Um, and then on the making money side, um, if you're truly building some kind of B2B product, then you have to ask people for money. So you have to get good at sales in whatever way you want to. Um, and that that's the number one tactic. And it could be sales on a website. So you get good at putting, a, you know, the flows for credit cards and getting people to put in their credit card because they're finding use of the product or maybe even upfront, or uh, you're getting on sales calls and learning how to sell, uh, show off the product you have, explain how it can help people, and then basically get people to buy it that way. I think honestly, Twitter is a wonderful way to build your audience. Like it's helped me because if I didn't have Twitter, then I would have talked to you, would I? I would just be here doing nothing, right? That's right. Um, Twitter really right. helped me That's a lot. Right. And as you mentioned, there are a lot of people on Twitter. That's someone under, there's people who are 12 years old, like this person who I, who's not a creator like me. Um, his name is Hey Brooke, yeah? He's 12. The people who are 11, That's 12, right. 13, yeah. 14, 15, 16, right. 17, it keeps on going. Yep. No matter what age, there the people, are the people on Twitter everywhere. And Twitter is a wonderful way to build your audience because it really helps you learn what people are building and people love. And with that, That's you right. get to see a lot of new ideas. Because Twitter, because example, if you have an audience, then you, so you can you have Twitter as a main way to sell your product or get feedback. Let's say you want to know if an idea, not an idea, so not about an idea, though a change in your product is worth it. Let's say you want to share a feedback, you want to share a product. Well, Twitter yeah. is really going to help you with that. It's one, for example, because honestly, when, when you started building, Twitter didn't even exist as yep. a main way yep. exist. And now okay. it's different. It's really changed the whole way people have to think of products. And all and these days, there's so many resources out there that's made it so easier to build products. Because when you started, when, when okay, I want to know when you started, what type of resources were out there that were compared, what that were compared to what there's now? Um, there were forums out there. There was, <laughs> there, you yeah. know, there were there there was there was IRC. So we would hop on IRC. There was Skype, and there was websites. Right. And you could go email people. So email was probably the number one source of learning because you would just email people and they would actually respond a lot more than they do these days, even though people do respond on email uh, still. But the, the, there was a lot more vibrant emailing happening uh, and, and threads and things like that in there. And a lot of things happening in forums. Um, there was a, a, a group of folks who are designers uh, and it's this thing. It was this thing called the nine rules network. And they were a whole bunch of designers there. And th those were some of the folks that we engaged with early on to build our audience for Crazy Egg, um, where we basically um, help, help them by giving them a product early that we thought they needed. And it turned out they really did need it. And then they gave us a ton of feedback uh, and shared kind of what they thought about the product, what problems they had communicating their design work to colleagues um, and uh, that really helped us develop our product in those early days.
I mean, yeah, I could adapt. And honestly, uh, I, I, you mentioned forms, and I started thinking about it for a second. And I can't remember the last time I was on a form. I remember that it was Leptical Scratch, and I was in their forms. It, 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 you probably heard of Scratch. I was still yeah. like a kid back then. And they, they had a really active, and it, I'm, I'm sure they still have a really active form of people. That, that doesn't last. And then I remember on a form with someone, someone I know made a few months ago, but I, I really never have, I don't, I don't really see people on form these days. They still exist. And though, honestly, they're not that there. Because these days, there, there are better resources out there, right? There's Twitter, there's social yep. media. And, and emails are a nice way. Well, sometimes emails are nice. And honestly, I guess emails email don't work. Because people these days don't really like everything. They have, they like a new way. And there, there are some people who like old, old, like old music, for example. And some people who like old email, for example. Some people who like old social media. So there's really a change in how people build. From from when you started it now, that 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 it. Do you think it's made? Do you think it's made it easier with everything, or is it is it more not easier now? Because it, it's really interesting because there are there are some ways that really help you, and then sometimes building on all these new platforms can be really not that easy. Yeah. So I would I would basically say that it's been. It's both easier and harder. So, <laughs> so, and and the reason for that is back in the day, if you had an idea, it was unlikely that anyone else was working on it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have an idea, it's very likely many other companies and organizations and people are working on it. So that's definitely not as easy to basically stand <laughs> out automatically because of the idea, right? Um, yeah. So that's that's a big reason I, I would say it's harder. Mm-hmm. One reason it's easier is there's more customers on the internet that are easy to access. Like we were talking about Twitter, right, and other places like that than ever before. Like it's d- 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 dramatically different world when it comes to ability to reach an audience compared to back then and the size of the audience that exists. Another reason it's a lot easier is because you have, as you mentioned, access to so many tools that can let you build something without having to write a single line of code. And that whole no-code situation can get you to build. Yeah, what was that? I said that this really changed. We're seeing people. I'll I'll let you you answer in a second. I'm sorry. Before, I I want to think that. Honestly, no-code ways really change the way people build. Like Nelson, for example. Nelson built a product. And I'm sure when they made it, they didn't think that people would be building products on Notion. I'm sorry they made it as a different idea. I don't really know about the early days of Notion, though I just I, I saw a tweet about you posting yesterday, so that's, that's why I had this idea. And I was writing this earlier yesterday because I really love, love Notion. People are building products on Notion with no code. Well, with code, and if people are people who don't know how to code are finding their products that are built on Notion and building their ideas. Back then, when you when you started, started that wasn't that possible, right? Nope. I just want to say that I mentioned that. Yeah, it wasn't possible. You couldn't build a website using Notion. All those website builders that exist today didn't exist. Webflow was not even a dream for somebody, right? Um, <laughs> Back then, and, and no, so, it wasn't close. Yeah. So there were other just, 
there, there were other website builders though back then. Not just, yeah, not there, there were definitely website builders, but there were none that like let you do all the advanced things you'd need to do to build an application. And so Ruby on Rails was actually one of the first um, solutions. That's obviously lots of code, but that made it easier to build apps. And I think that that really changed a lot of different things. But you're talking about many years ago now, right? Um, yeah, many years ago. Exactly. So I, I would I would say that you know, in order to um, evaluate whether it's easier or harder or or whatever, I, the truth, the absolute truth, which is contradictory to what I said earlier, I, I think it's different. I wouldn't call it easier or harder um, because. <laughs> We had a lot of fun back then. We built a lot of different things. Some of them were <laughs> successful. And, and you know, I'm just going to go back to, like, the fundamental pattern. And the fundamental pattern is that people who focus on their customers and really figure out what customer needs are and build towards them, they win. They, as long as you're yeah. solving the, the best <laughs> problems you can in the best ways. You're talking about back then, right? Or now? I'm talking about now. I'm talking about back oh. then and now. Ultimately, that's all that matters, regardless of what the timing is. Hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that. Cause I agree with that. Honestly, it is easy and not easy at the same time because it's really easy now to like build an idea, even if you don't know how to code and just create content and market that idea. Because right, and and the problem I want more to say we mentioned earlier is that right now, if you have an idea, there's already a product out there. And I, I, I always feared this, that by the time I, I get older, more than 13, and actually, actually, have, actually, actually, actually can build businesses, businesses, by that time, um, let's say 18 or 17, for example, all the ideas I have will probably already be built. And then with, with even, it'll be even more, less easier to actually build, build an idea in the future, because right, because right now, People, people are building something new every single day. And not the best to start early. If you, if you have an idea, just start building it right away. Because I'm not sorry, but I, I have this fear that when I get older, it's not going to be that easy to actually build products and it is now since there are going to be so many ideas that are already going to be taken or a few years in building it. Uh, yeah, and that's why I think being able to get an audience matters more than the fact that the idea has already been built by somebody else or not. Can you get to the audience that you need to get to in order for your business to be successful? And how do you start building that audience as early as possible? Those are the things that I would spend more time focusing. Hmm. So I, I think really what I think is that if you want to build an idea now these days, you should start with building an audience first and then learn and learn and learn, build something and then eventually build the idea you have. So then at least even if there's somebody else out there, you have an audience. And that audience will probably check out their product. Product. So I'm, I have one more thing I want to talk about before we finish. It really puts it talking to you. I want to know what exactly what you think about the creator economy and people building independently, independently these days. I think it's amazing. Uh, I think this this idea that someone can quit their job or have a side <laughs> gig or have a side gig and then eventually quit their job and make a salary that, and, and, and replace their salary with their own sort of income from their own efforts um, without any other overhead or having a boss or whatever you want to call it, 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 it that opportunity opens up so much um, freedom for so many people. And I really truly believe that 
it's a it's a fantastic thing that all these tools are available and all these all this information is available for so many people to become like to be able to be in that category and so I, i'm i'm actually really excited uh about kind of the possibilities there like I very excited the, i think the creator economy is only really interesting because it's it's a nice way to build on a product and the creator economy is all about building independently and just having fun with building in a passion i guess not in the past. In the past, economy and creator economy are two different things. But I'm talking about the people who are passionate about their build, they can just build on the creator economy. Like, if you're pushing TikTok, for example, people are building on TikTok. That's, That's really right. interesting. Like, people are, and people are actually building businesses, or not businesses, but sharing their stories, making money on TikTok. Can you imagine that, like, 10 or 15 years ago, or like, way back, that you, you could actually have TikTok or YouTube or Twitch or even a product or even a, or a e-commerce business as your main business. I wouldn't, I don't think someone would imagine it a few, like 10 years ago that I could do this in my future. That's so, exactly you know, right. That's, so, right. So thank you for taking the time and chatting with me today. It was really awesome chatting with you and I had lots of fun and I think it's going to help a lot of people, especially the part where we talk about ideas, like how to get, build your get the idea part. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything you want to say before we finish the episode or anything to talk about? We definitely still have, we still have a few minutes left. So, I'm I'm just happy you're doing this and I'm happy you're finding people like me that want to talk to you. And, uh, you know, if we can reach uh, kind of your audience and, and, and a younger audience, I'm really excited about that. I think that there's there's a lot of, I think the thing I'll leave everybody with is there's a lot of advice out there, a lot of advice. And it can, you can get lost in advice. You can get lost in all the content that's out there. But the one thing you want, you, you, you can't get lost in is your customer and learning mm-hmm. how to have better strategies, better ways of understanding customers, figuring out their problems and solving them better than anyone else. So don't lose sight of that. A lot of the advice and feedback out there doesn't matter. Most of it doesn't matter for you. What really matters is how you develop uh, yourself around your customer and making sure that you're always as close as possible to them and learning as much as possible about them and from them. And that's exactly what I mean. That's the best way to leave it at. So thank you once again. And I ho- that's it. Thank you. Um, yeah, have a nice day. You too.